We're on. Get right into it. Sports betting with Jake and Scott. Let's do it. How you doing, Jake? Uh, pretty well. How about you, Scott? I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing good. We got Chris with us again. He uh, he did get hired. He passed the the interview process. What's up, Chris? <laughs> I'm still waiting for my check. <laughs> oh, you're not going to no, get that I'm, for a I'm couple glad. years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be here, guys. So uh, that Russell Westbrook, he's a little kooky, huh? <laughs> let's, let's just get. I figured we just get right into it and talk and talk about Russell. Go ahead. You said you had uh, something you wanted to talk to about. Well, him. I I have an idea about Russell and why he slumped. So what I was thinking with Russell is he was a superstar, right? Um, I, I know, I know we're going to talk about a little bit about like, um, the way people are, are playing him, like get in depth about like how you, they're playing defense on him. But okay, this is just stay with me on this one. He was a superstar at one point and it seems like he's lost. If you look at his statistics, it's like per minute. It's not that far off from what he used to do. I know that he like, he was like averaging like a triple double at one time. And he's not averaging a triple-double either. But it's still, like, somewhat good compared to, like, another player or other players. And I know his field goal percentage and his three-point percentage is shit. But he's still putting up numbers. He's on my fantasy team, and he averages, like, 60 fantasy points a game. I think that a lot of what the feeling on Russell Westbrook is, like, he's not liked. He's not, like, a likable guy. And... I'm wondering if there was a catalyst on why players tend to not like him. Maybe he's an asshole. I don't know what that is. But here's my thought. Do you think he might be gay and, and he's not <laughs> and he's not liked and people are kind of like down on that? I know that might I don't want to not that there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But like maybe players <laughs> don't like that. <laughs> I don't think that's it. You don't think that's it? Okay. I I told you it was out there. I don't think he's actually disliked by players. Because like, no one really like talks crap on him. The media doesn't like him because he's very like standoffish with the media. Okay. And it's kind of um, like a Bill Belichick. Yeah, kinda. He doesn't like talking to them. He's made comments. I, I don't have any off the top of my head, but he's made comments to the media. He's just very disliked. I heard like uh, ESPN, local ESPN guys talking about like interviewing him is just like, it's torture. He won't give you anything. And he's kind of, kind of a jerk about it too. Like some guys won't give you anything, but they're cordial. He's not. Do other players like him? You think other players like him too? Yeah. I don't really hear other players like talking crap about him like so the media lebron wanted him like paul george like they recruited him to come to la well he's already in la but come to the clippers the i guess clippers are an la team yeah yeah i guess it's the media doesn't like gay people then no No, just joking it was it was it was an out there thought uh that's why i gotta bounce it off the walls and get shot down so so my theory is uh, is out there. But as far as basketball goes, I guess he is going down on his field goal percentage and three-point percentage. And that, that shows on how he's being defended lately. Yeah, if you watch that uh, game the other night against the Warriors, Draymond Green, who I love as a basketball player, like he's not going to put up great stats, but he's like the mind games are just perfect because you play basketball like – if you aren't confident in your shot and the guy guarding you is like, I'm just not even going to guard you. Like it gets in your head and 
Westbrook's a, not a good three-point shooter. Um, if you want, I can get into why I think he's not a great three-point shooter. Why is he not a three-point shooter? Or a he good shoots th- his jump shot. So, like, some of the greats, like uh, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, they would shoot their jump shot, an actual, like, jump shot. Like, jump, reach almost your apex and shoot. Um, but nowadays, like, the really great ones, like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson – they don't get a lot of lift on their jump shot. It takes away when you're not jumping as high, there's less you have to do to in your mechanics to get the shot off. It's just like, you know, come from your hip up, shoot. When you're jumping that high, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong as you're getting up to the apex of your shot. So if you watch him shoot, he'll be wide open and he's jumping like, you know, two feet off the ground to shoot. I don't know how he hasn't hired a coach, a shooting coach that's just telling him like, no, almost shoot like a, a little bit of a set shot. Just nice and easy. Like, we don't need a lot of movement in your shot. It might be that he's stubborn, which he seems like a pretty stubborn person, the way he talks to the media. So, he doesn't want to be told what to do. But, I mean, if you even watch like LeBron James, his jump shot is he doesn't get high off the ground. And his jump shot throughout his career has gotten better. So, and if you watch, I actually watched uh, him in high school he had that high uh, where he'd get off the ground, you know, two feet and shoot. He doesn't do that anymore. He barely he's lucky if you can put like a dollar bill under his feet when he shoots now. So I wish someone would talk to him and say, let's break it all down and just shoot a nice kind of set jump shot. But yeah, they're not even guarding him anymore. And if you if your point guard doesn't have to be guarded and they can still what they did was stick Draymond Green with the best defender on him who can just then camp in the paint. And then so he's taken away the paint and the three-point shot from one of your players. So Russell Westbrook is basically useless on offense if you guard him like that. And it, and I, I'm surprised other teams haven't done that. Is it only Draymond that's done that so far? So, Jake, do you remember uh, Kobe? They would put Kobe on Rajon Rondo um, during the NBA Finals, and Kobe did the same thing to Rajon Rondo. Yeah, I He remember. would just – camp out in the paint and let Rondo shoot. I'm surprised more teams don't do that with more guys, but in the NBA now, pretty much everyone can shoot. There's not a lot of guys that you can do that to. People used to do that against Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd in his 30s, he hired a coach, a three-point coach, and he actually improved his three-point percentage in his 30s. Yeah, he was killing it towards the end. Yeah, and uh, it's surprising that Russell Westbrook doesn't do that. Yeah. I remember Kobe used to straight up disrespect Rondo and turn his back to him completely. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that go, kind of goes with what you were talking about last week where you want them to, you want the NBA to implement a rule where you can just play zone coverage without the three point. And if, if that rule was implemented, then Russell, the Russell Westbrooks of the future, they would be done. Yeah. Like, you know, that, yeah. that type of player. So that kind of, that kind of makes it sound like if they implemented that rule, it would make it so the NBA would be more interesting. It would force the players to be more playmakers. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with a rule change. Yeah. Like, um, what we're going to get into later about baseball and their new rule changes. Uh, there's some kind of things that are happening that are, I don't think that anybody expected. They're pretty funny. But as far as the NBA, yeah, I just think those rule changes would make the game a little uh, more interesting to, 
I, I think they're doing what they're doing now and they like the high points because they think it's going to get them the casual fan. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see people wanting to tune in to watch if you know anything about basketball to watch a 180 to 179 game. <laughs> Jake, are you a are you a Lakers fan or a Clippers fan? I don't Lakers fan. Oh, that's right. Because you're yeah. like you're really into Kobe Bryant. right? Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what do you with the Clippers? Do you guys think that they're going to make the playoffs? I heard somebody said that the Clippers chances, like the odds of winning the championship actually went down when Russell Westbrook joined the team. That's what Brian said. He looked up the odd. That's (laughs) That's, hilarious. What do you think about the Clippers? You think they're going to make it? It looks like they're the eighth seed right now. I think they have the potential to make it. Uh, They're one in five since Russell Westbrook. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, Dallas was lost, I think, their first four when Kyrie Irving came over. When you get a new guy, there's like an adjustment period. And I, I, I don't see the Clippers not making the playoffs. Like, I mean, the Lakers are without LeBron for at least two weeks. And then it's like the Thunder after that. The Thunder trying to tank, but they're not doing a good job of it to try to get Wemby Yama. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Who might be like, a, he looks like a generational talent. Like where he might just take over the NBA. And then after that, you got the trailblazers who I don't know how they still have Damian Lillard. I I, got, I respect Damian Lillard for not demanding a trade, but dude, like he's a top three point guard and he keeps getting stuck on like average teams. And so they're not going to make a push. So yeah, it, it's only really the Lakers or the thunder that could knock the Clippers out. Yes. I would say, yeah. And the Lakers are without LeBron. Thunder, um, uh, Shy is he's been injured. He's got like a lingering abdominal injury, abdomen injury. Um, yeah, I guess the Clippers are probably going to take it. Yeah, they'll. I mean, I from what I heard is their Lou is just playing Westbrook as a starter to see if it would work, and then he's going to stick him back on the bench. Which, in my opinion, where Westbrook is in his career, him on the bench is great. I actually thought he did great for the Lakers off the bench. They just yeah. did the Lakers just they, they were a poorly constructed team with no shooting, so they had to get rid of him to get shooting, which I felt, they did. I felt like the Lakers the first half of the season weren't trying to win; they were just focused on LeBron getting the point. Yes, didn't it seem like that? Seemed I mean, that's like probably that. why Anthony but, Davis was so pissed when it <laughs> when it finally happened. But they're also a team around. There's you got to surround LeBron with shooting because he's going to dominate the ball. <clears throat> And he's going to get to the hoop and he'll find, he'll pass the ball. He's a willing passer, but event like if you can't knock down a three, then he's just passing over and over to people that aren't going to make anything to, to yeah. Russell Westbrook. He's not going <laughs> to, and, <that's> what- <laughs> and you know, I, he's injured now and it's like, did he work too hard at the beginning of the year to get to that record? And his body's breaking down now. He's like 38 years old. So what do you guys think about, uh, the Suns and, um, KD going to the Suns. Uh, personally, I think that makes them a legit con- contender. You and think they could be the best trio, or the best? Let's say the best duo: Devin with Booker. Paul Booker and Durant. Is that yeah, what? I want to take Paul out of there because okay. he's been slipping this this year. So I'll edit that. Do you think they're the best duo in the NBA? Booker and Durant. Booker and Durant. They could be. They're up there. They're in the conversation. 
I feel like Booker's stats have pulled back a little bit this year, but he, he is uh, um, unbelievable. So it's hard to say that there's a better two. I think they're 2-0 and o so far. Um, what do you guys think? You th- Jake, you think they're good? They have a shot at challenging the Nuggets. I do think that they're uh, – I, I think they're immediately one of the serious teams to take. Like you have to – you have to consider him a contender now. So we're all going to pick a Western Conference champion and an Eastern Conference champion. We've only been talking about the West Coast. You can tell that we live in California. Um, let's get into that. You, do you have a pick, Jake, for the Western Conference champion? Uh, well, I, I obviously don't feel like I offer a lot of value on picking a team like as a pick. But if you just want my honest opinion... Um, I don't know. I think the Nuggets, the Suns, the Warriors, and the Mavericks are the four teams on the Western Conference that stand out to me. And if you had to pick one, I know you're a value guy, and you probably don't see a whole lot of value in all of them. And these aren't official You Bet Smart picks. But uh, but if you had to pick one. Damn, that's a good question. I I don't know. I might be leaning towards the Suns. <laughs> okay. I mean, they've been the number one seed the last two years. They might have been the number one seed two years ago and then the number two seed last year. They're a legit team. It's hard to count them out. And then they just added um, Kevin Durant. I keep on wanting to call him Kevin Garnett. They did not get Kevin Garnett. but Last year, they were the one seed. Oh, last year, they were one seed. Okay. And the year before, I'm pretty sure they were the one seed... The year before, because that was their breakout season. Two seed the year before. All right, I had them mixed up. Um, What do you think, Chris? Who do you like out of the West? I'm going with the Suns, I think, too. Two Suns. I know that's making you very happy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm a Suns fan. I wasn't going to pick the Suns just because I'm a Suns fan. And I'm one of those guys where I like, I feel like I have to like downplay it. Like, especially like in the playoffs, like, I don't want to like get too high on them, especially since like I was high on them two years ago. I thought for sure they were going to do a win. I think it was two years ago when they played Milwaukee. And then last year they got knocked out in the second round. But um, I-, I was high on them when they were playing Milwaukee. They were up 2-0 in the series and then they lost four games in a row and lost it. Oh my God. So I'm like, I'm going to stay down here on earth until it's game, until they win game four in the finals. Yeah, I don't think uh, the Nuggets, I, I like them, but it just for some reason in the playoffs, they just can't do anything in the playoffs. I don't know if it's you're playing your, you're playing out of your center on your offense with Jokic. Like, it, it, does that work in the playoffs when, you know, teams play harder in the playoffs, so you get better defense. Um, so a lot of these these bigger guys, they get the fouls also too. That, so he's going to get beat up a little bit more in the playoffs, and does that have an effect? The Grizzlies, uh, John Morant might be in jail by the time <laughs> this podcast comes out, let alone the playoffs. That dude keeps getting in trouble. Something else just happened with him. He just flashed a gun in yeah, a club to on, somebody. No, on an right? Instagram Live, I think it was. Oh, that's what it yeah. was, Instagram After Live. After some news came out that he punched a 17-year-old, and then like four days later, his mom was like at a department store and having an issue, and then like his all entourage came down and like threatened like security and everything so yeah i don't i love john morant too as a player he's like one of my favorite players to watch um i remember watching him how i first found out him was in the ncaa tournament i was in vegas uh watching the games 
at uh, uh, West Point, which I highly recommend if you want to go there. They have like a the whole arena place that they you can buy tickets for um, and watch the games. They have them all on a big screen, but that's a little off topic. Uh, Maybe we'll have a live yeah. podcast there one day. Look <laughs> uh, <laughs> list. The Kings, no. I don't even know how they're doing this good, but and, they are. <clears throat> and yeah, then the Suns and then my sleeper, which is weird calling them a sleeper, would be the Golden State Warriors. I don't think you could call them a sleeper. Everybody's <laughs> been shitting on them all year. Like, Insane. it's it's they're going to, you know, get in the playoffs, get Curry back. And you, I wouldn't want to play against them. They, they're... They're doing what um, I think like Phil Jackson started doing when he was coaching teams is like, we're not going to worry so much about the regular season and seeding. We want to try to get home court in the first round, but if we're good enough, we don't care where, where we play. And I think that's how the Warriors are right now. They're like, okay, we're not going to push our team to try to get over the top. We're going to figure things out in the regular season. And I mean, right now they'd be playing <laughs> – They'd be playing the Suns in the first round, which I don't think you want that. No, not at all. Um, I mean, it'll probably change in 20 games, but... Yeah, I think the Suns will probably overtake the Kings, so that'd be... Yeah, so let's say Golden State's playing the Kings in the first round. I mean, that might be a sweep. And then they'd play the winner of Denver and whoever ends up being the 8th seed, because I have that new weird playing tournament now. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think the Warriors are right where they want to be. I honestly think that they don't, like you said, they don't plan on it at all. I think last year they were the eight seed, I think, and they ended up winning the championship, right? Let me check. I, I could yeah, double I check that. I, I mean, weren't, didn't they play in the playing tournament? No, they were the three seed last year. <laughs> that was way off. Yeah, Man, that was I, way off. I feel like that. Too. That's why we got Chris. I they were in the plan. I thought that they, I, I, th- I could have sworn. Maybe I just thought three seed was. God, they were the three seed? Well, anyways, I, I think that they are... They were... Sorry, they were in the plan the year before that. Oh, was it? Yeah. And then... And they didn't make it that far the year before. So, the three seed championship. But I think that they're right where they want to be. Hell, they're only four games back from the three seed now. They'll probably get the four seed. I think the Kings are going to drop a little bit. Um yeah, I don't know if you can call if you can say the warrior. I don't know if I can allow that. I, yeah, I when it came out of my mouth, I don't I don't know why I said it like that, but like, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't mean as a sleeper for people that like know basketball. I'm talking about like the media, which I will say they don't know basketball. They've been just crapping on them all year. Though they they're not winning on the road. Oh, they don't play any defense. It's like. They've won four championships in what, like, is it eight years now or whatever that time? Like that. It's a lot. It's a lot of games that they've played. A lot of those guys have played in the on the Olympic teams. Like, it's a lot. And you go into a regular season and you're like, stuff isn't going our way. Let's just try to make it through this season and get to the playoffs. And they have older guys too. So Steve Kerr is like really careful about just resting yeah. guys the whole year. They don't get, they just want to make sure they get in the playoffs. Like you just said. Yeah. There was somebody, I want to say it was like Nick Wright. Um, you know who he is? Yeah. He's like, it was saying like, was, should, should they get rid of Steve Kerr? And it's like, oh, that <laughs> what? Is, that is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it was too. I, I yeah. don't, if it was, wasn't Nick Wright, I'm very sorry, but. Yeah, saying like it was one of those prominent NBA guys like saying, should they get rid of Steve Kerr? And it's like, 
No. Yeah. That's <laughs> no. that's crazy. Steve Kerr comes from I think you mentioned it about Phil Jackson yeah. and they did the same thing. I mean, that's where he comes from. You can tell that he's built his team like like a that old Chicago's Bull team. The only difference is is he's added three pointers in a lot more. Yeah. Like they kind of like invented that new way to and play. He, he came from Popovich too. Oh, okay. So, so he was like, an assistant coach with Popovich? Yes. Oh, well, he was on the team, yeah, he too. he was on the team. I don't that, think – No, right. it wasn't – because wasn't he your guys' GM for a little while? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he – yep. The yep. Suns GM. Yeah. <laughs> I own the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Well, yeah, you never know. When this podcast gets – I'm pretty famous. sure the guy that owns the Sun now, Suns now is younger than us. So. <laughs> yeah. They've been in trouble a little bit. They might not be worth as much – I don't know if I'm going to be, ever be able to have enough money to own the Suns, but I would love to pull a, a Ryan Reynolds and buy a soccer team from like the fifth league down. I So I, I uh, heard you guys talk about that on a previous podcast before I joined. Um, so it's Rob McElhaney is the other guy, which is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which yes. is like my favorite show of all time. Like I still haven't watched that show, though. Like I don't know why I haven't watched it yet. But You got to watch the yeah, show. I know. I Are know. you do, do you like soccer at all? Do you no, know anything? I well, hate it, it and I talk crap on it you all do, the time. You do. That's right. <laughs> I Okay. I think I. Well, that's why you have I hate it. watching it. I think it's a great sport. I just cannot watch it. Well, here's. Here's something that I could say about that show that might make you watch it. One thing that like the the thing that I hate most about this show is that when they show soccer highlights, they don't show the game. And so it's more a documentary about the people of the city, about Rob and Ryan, and then about the players. They do like um, in-depth coverage of each player. They kind of it's more about people. You know, and then the soccer is just like an afterthought. And then when they show highlights, the highlights, you can't tell what's going on at is all. Is that they might not have rights to show. They do show the game, though. They show it, but they don't show it like a telecast. Okay. They show it. It's like, um, like you know, those old NFL film highlights yeah. where it's just like an up close you don't really know what's going on generally, but there's an up close well, shot. That's what I mean. They might not have the rights to to show that like, they probably broadcast. Don't. They like, probably, that's probably don't. Why they have to do it that way? Because it would be more interesting, yeah, to see like the actual soccer being played. Me, probably but you not. not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like, would probably like it because it's a show about it. It actually is more about Rob uh McElhaney. is that it McElhaney? uh i think it's like McElhaney. McElhaney. McElhaney, something like that it's more about him than uh ryan reynolds like he's you can tell it was his idea and he just needed some money i think he may have even said it he's like i wanted to buy a soccer team and i needed a guy with a lot of money and i was like uh instagram friends with ryan reynolds so i hit him up i like dm'd him and then now they have a soccer team wow. it's pretty it's a pretty wild story but uh, but yeah, you gotta watch that. Let's get back to the NBA. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my um, long shot, and this truly is a long shot. And this is my I actually made uh, this pick at the beginning of the season. They were up ten games after like thirty games. They were up ten games above five hundred, and they have fallen apart since then. So my bet is not looking good. Uh, but that's the New Orleans Pelicans. I was really high on them at the beginning of the season. And I think they were 31 and like 16 or something like that at one time. Maybe not that because they're 31 and 33. They haven't lost 17 games in a row, but it was something like that. 
and they're two games below 500 now. Uh, I, I can't believe they they fell apart like that. But Zion got hurt. It's injuries. It's always injuries. And that's when I made the bet. That's that was the one thing I was thinking. I was like, if this is not going to work, it's going to be because Zion gets hurt. He always gets hurt. But that's my long shot. I'm still I'm going to stick with him. They got to make the playoffs first, though. Should we talk about the Eastern Conference or is? <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's go. We'll go over it quickly because we uh, <laughs> we're we're already like halfway through the podcast. Um, Eastern Conference, Jake. You got anybody? Uh, Let me put it this way, Jake. What 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 do you, what for player props? Yeah. Is there a lot of overs that you do on on certain teams? Um. It depends on the category. Like if we're doing points, assists, rebounds, uh, threes, that's all dependent on how they do as a team and uh, to that specific position. So I, I don't actually like cherry pick any teams. So I literally just leave it up to the algorithm. Al- algorithm, and if it makes it, then I'll, I'll include it. But I don't purposely pick uh, certain players against certain teams. Like I think it's more than that because uh. The lines will normally bake that, bake that uh, rake into it. Like is in, there, is there anything that 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 you've noticed that the algorithm is favoring, as um, far as like players in the East Coast? I, I I can't say that something stands out to be honest. Specifically, like I don't see one team consistently pop up. Okay. Um, I don't know that out of the three teams out of the East, I. I think all three teams and the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, I think those are all legitimate contenders for my limited experience with teams. Um, I, I don't know. I would say there's like four teams on the West that I think have a chance and those three teams on the East. Oh, so the top three yeah. team, Bucks, Celtics, 76ers? Yeah, I think all those teams are stacked. Do you have a, a team, Chris, that you like? I don't have a team. Why? Well, uh, For the so Eastern Conference. Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers, they're all pretty even. Um, they, You know, the Sixers and the Bucks probably have the two best players out of those three teams with Embiid and Tanakupo. But the Celtics are, have a more complete team. So, yeah, I think any one of those three could win. And I think if you are betting, like it – you, you just go with your heart because it, it could go. I mean, those teams could play, you know, a seven game series, the three of them separately. And it goes seven games like every single time. It's that close. Mm-hmm. Sleeper calves. It's kind of because my family's from Ohio and there's a lot of heartache in Ohio. One <laughs> championship in any sports in like 50 years. So and they got um, Donovan Mitchell now who's been playing great for them. Great pickup. Yeah. Uh, my family, well, my uncle is kind of pissed. Like, he's like, oh, keep the young guys. And I'm like, big guy, like, you want to get Donovan Mitchell. Like, let the, let the young guys go. Like, you want to get Donovan Mitchell. And he's a great um, playoff performer, too. I think he had, like, 50 in a game and, like, a, backed it up with, like, a 45-point game um, when they were in the bubble, I believe, against Denver. And Jamal Murray had, like, on Denver, had, like, a 50-point game. So, um. Yeah. Uh. Cavs sleeper, but that's not happening. You. You. It's gonna be Sixers, Celtics, or Bucks. If I had to pick one, <sighs> I hate doing this. I'm a Lakers fan. The Celtics. 
Going with the Celtics. Yeah. Okay, I'm going Bucks. I'm going to go Bucks. They're on a 16-game winning streak. And I was going to pick the Cavs for my sleeper, but since you picked them, I'll go with the Knicks because that's a giant sleeper. I know they're they're hot right now. They've won eight in a row. And, uh, I mean, that's a that's a huge sleeper. But I also picked the, the Pelicans. So, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, Pelicans-Knicks finals. <laughs> <laughs> That's got. I wonder what the odds are on that. That's yeah. got to be like plus twenty thousand. Um, and then if you're not picking one, we just got to give you the 76ers because nobody picked them as a sleeper. Or is my my favorite as your team. favorite. If you're worried, you have to pick one of those three guys. Damn, I would I would go with the Celtics too. Celtics. Okay, so two Celtics, a Bucks, and then a Cavs and a Knicks as a sleeper. You got a sleeper, Jake? Uh I guess. The Heat. Let's just run it. All right. They just got Kevin Love. So, (laughs) giving some love to the Heat. The, um, who else? Did they get somebody else too? Or is it just Kevin Love? I think it was just Kevin Love. I think it was just Kevin Love. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention who I'm picking for the West Coast. I'm picking Denver. I know that's chalk, but I, I do like Denver. I know you don't like their, I, I think you have something there that they could have, um, they could the the way their offense is played around Jokic that a defense kind of comes in and figures it out for the playoffs. But I think that they were just young. I think that they were young and they they haven't been in it yet. And now this is their year. Now they're like they were on the rise, and now this is the year. Well, yeah, That's, I I talked myself out of them by saying like they just get for some reason in the playoffs. Like I think they're the best team in the NBA, and Jokic might be the best player in the NBA. So. I don't think that's a wrong, wrong yeah, idea I mean, that they might do it. I like Jamal Murray, too. Me, too. I, I love Jamal Murray. I brought him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I'll go Nuggets, and then I'll go Pelicans. Uh, you guys both went with Suns. All right. That's, uh, that's enough of that. <laughs> um, let's move on to some other changes that have been going on in the world of sports. Uh, the PGA... There is some rule changes in the PGA. I guess the two major changes are uh, that they're not going to have cuts in eight of the uh, tournaments for 2024. And then they're also, what was the other rule change? It was cuts and then, oh, smaller fields. So they're only going to have like 70 players. And that's kind of matched up with Liv. Um, I guess that's why they're doing it. Which is interesting, actually, now that I think about it, because everything that that comes out of that camp, everything that comes out of like the PGA camp is they're not worried about live. Like they're like, no, they're going to come and go. We're not worried about the players that we're losing. But then now they're changing the rules, which kind of makes you think that there, there had to have been a meeting somewhere with some guys and they were saying... We're getting a little worried now. What should we do? And they're banning the players too, right? That go to Liv? They're banning the players. So they are doing action against what Liv is doing. Yeah. I almost feel like maybe they shouldn't have done this. So it it makes it feel like, hey, we're confident in what we're doing over here. You would think so. That's interesting. I do like the changes though. Like personally, I like the changes. I think that a lot of sports bettors won't like the changes because... With golf, one of the main bets is whether or not a player will make or miss the cut. 
So if I know it's only eight tournaments, but if you if it works and they do sixteen the next year, and then they do all the tournaments the next year, that bet com- is completely wiped off the board. So it takes away bets, and that, that uh, makes me anxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's never good when they take away bets. No, yeah. they'll probably just adjust it to like top. You know, if there's a field of 80, top 40 finish. They still have that, though. Yeah, that'll be the where people move their money to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Off the, gamblers aren't going to stop because you take away one of their bets. It's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point. I just like that extra bet, but it was a, a chalky bet. Like, there wasn't – it wasn't even. It was always, like, minus three. Like, John Rahm, he's going to make the cut, like, 75% of the time or more. So, it was always like minus 300. So, it's not... There wasn't a whole lot of value in those bets anyways, in my opinion. But I know that the betting public, that was like one of the most popular bets. Okay. So, well, I guess we'll see what happens with that. I, it could take away the top 40 too because if you only have 70 people, then a lot. that was one... That's my favorite bet is betting top 30 or top 40 out of 140 people because it was right around even you'd find like the minus 110s but now if there's 70 people a top 40 is going to be chalk there's going to be like minus 300 so maybe it'll move like you said it'll just move the money up to like top 10 like there'll be a lot of top 10 bets so they're just basically cutting down on the total field and that's another thing that that uh, i'm glad you brought that up because the the terrible thing about this is there's all these guys that come up from like the AAA leagues and college golf. And these are the guys that make it in there. One of my favorite golfers last year was Cameron Young. And he came up through like AAA golf, like the minor league system. And then he like blew up last year. And it's these guys that need you need those extra 60 guys in those tournaments because it takes like a year of them playing and then they come up the next year. But if you're narrowing the field to 70 people, then those 60 guys that that get left out, they got to go play in the minors. So you're hurting like the growth of the league, which is an exciting part. It's exciting to see like the young guys come up. Don't those guys have more incentive now because they can't make the PGA tour. They can just go to live. <laughs> Liv's got a super small field, doesn't it? It's really small. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe it's they're planning on expanding it. Maybe that's their ultimate goal, and then take and then PJ is kind of playing right into their hands. Yeah, by, like getting rid of this, and then you know maybe Liv will like start a second tour with those guys. I'm I, that's yeah, what I'm like. I think Liv's like playing this perfect, and PJ is being reactionary, which is where you you never want to be in a position where you're reacting. No, you don't. And yeah, that's. That's what I'm saying is, is I, a year ago, one of my buddies, we went out to have a drink and like, that's what he wanted to talk about. He's like, Hey, you want to go have a drink? And he wanted to talk about the live, the new, the new league that was started. And I'm like, there's no way that this is going to work. No way. And then as every like story that comes out about it and everything the PGA does about it, it's starting to like turn to where like, man, maybe this could work, which I don't know how I feel about that. The interesting thing about live is that you play individually and then you're also on a team. And that's interesting too, because it like completely changes. It's, it's sometimes it's more fun to root for a team. I mean, if you watch golfers play, they, the most exciting tournament for the golfers, not necessarily for the fans, 
But for the golfers is when they play like the President's Cup, when it's like US versus Europe and they're playing on a team. That's when you're like, these guys are having like the most fun right now or the Ryder Cup. They're having so much fun right now. It's almost like they want to play on teams. Well, you golf, like, do you have more fun when you're playing like a scramble or are you just playing your own ball the whole time? Hmm, that's interesting. I, th- I guess I have more fun on a scramble, but I- yeah, you do. Yeah, me too. I have more fun in a scramble. Yeah. Maybe because there's more alcohol involved, but yeah. <laughs> like, uh, sometimes when you're playing your own ball, it, you can get in your own head and it gets very frustrating very fast. If you're playing in a group, it's like, okay, well, I had a bad shot here. That's all right. Someone else will. You know, my teammate will pick me up. So a little more free. You play a little more free. As someone that doesn't play a lot of golf, are they taking best shot? Oh, for the team? No. No. So it's just um, each each player is playing individually. And the individuals have um, a goal. Like there's a tournament, an individual tournament going on. And then simultaneously, there's three other guys you're paired with. Okay. And... And then there's another bracket over here for the teams. Okay. And I don't know what the incentives are because like the incentives aren't that good for either individual or team because they're already promised all this money anyways. Like, I don't know what the number is, but I'll just throw something out there. Like, let's say Phil Mickelson got paid a hundred million dollar contract. He's guaranteed all that money. So it doesn't matter if he like individually wins or if like the sharks win too. Okay. And I say the Sharks too because that's one of the things that I hate about Liv is like the team names and their logos are like something that like some like computer generated like program did off on the side, like some random website where, where it does like auto generated games. It has like the Sharks and like the Pellet. I don't know. Is it's I don't like the team names. I think they need to improve on that. But yeah, it sounds like they're kind of like what a little kid would name their team <laughs> when like they're saw so- well, your sons in soccer when they get to pick their team name. It's yeah, like, we're going to be the, the, the fireballs, the yeah, aces, exactly. the yeah. crushers, the fireballs. What the hell is the fireballs one? <laughs> yeah, no way. The majestics, the range goats. No way. The range goats. <laughs> I thought you were joking. These are our like kids names. And and the uh, the logos for them too are just like something that you picked off of uh, like Canva dot com or something, you know. It's it's not like any they put any thought into it. Oh, awesome. They probably spent all their money on the players, and they don't have any money left over for like marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it. The whole thing's interesting. It's almost like um, it's like we're in. There's so much stuff that's happening in the world, like outside of sports, that makes it seem like we're in this like computer generated world that's like fake. And then like Liv comes along in the fireballs form. <laughs> and you're like, maybe this is true. That's all nice. right. We don't want to get too much woo stuff. We're getting off the sports betting. Yeah, save that for later. Yeah, that's uh, podcast number two. Um, well, let's keep with the theme of rule changes. There's a lot of rule changes for baseball. Uh, Chris, you have the rule changes for us. I don't know all of them, but is there a bunch of them or is there... I so know the one is the pitch clock. Um, it's basically it's 15 seconds. The pitcher has to throw until uh, he throws a pitch. And, or 20 seconds if someone's on base, I believe. Yeah. Do you have the changes up there? Yeah. Let me see. Uh, I was going to say because Max Scherzer, he, that video that you wanted to bring up, I think that was a 20 second clock. 
But he must have had somebody on base. No, so it was he a, was in the stretch. Yeah, uh, it's a twenty second clock when there's runners on. Fifteen seconds with bases empty. Did he? Was there a runner on? He was in the that? stretch, and it did say twenty at so the beginning of that. Everybody should look up that video. Look up Max Scherzer and this at bat that he had with. Uh, yeah, I guess there was a guy on base, and the mind game he's playing with the hitter is just it. It's fun to watch as someone that likes, if you like that kind of stuff, he gets into his uh, stance to pitch. The the stretch? Yeah, into his stretch. The the batter calls time, steps out. Verlander adjusts real fast, gets right back into his stretch with the guy still out of the box. And then as soon as the guy steps back in, he just throws the pitch and (laughs) blows him away. So it's going to be super interesting to me to see like, all these mind games that are being played because I'm a baseball fan, but I, I just it's hard to watch a game because, uh, you know, a nine inning game could take three and a half to four hours. And it's like nobody has time to watch a four hour game, especially if there's not a lot going on. And, and there's guys stepping out of the box, thrown over to first, uh, readjusting. There's just a lot of wasted time in baseball. I personally think maybe they should make the clock a little, little bit longer. And then when the guy steps back into the box, he should have like a second to get ready. But I like the new rules. Me too. And it, it brings up a good point with, uh, um, the mind games of baseball. Um, I think fans are going to love these rules because fans of baseball, like really hardcore fans of baseball, they always talk about how like it's a chess match. Like they're playing a game and that's why they're playing like mind games continuously. And that's why kind of it's slow and long, but making this rule shortens up the game, but the players like Max Scherzer still figured out, no, this is still like a chess match for me and I'm going to get in this guy's mind. And with that video, I wish we could show the video, but that video just like proves it. It really brings, this rule brings out, um, the chess match of baseball more. There's a clock in chess. And there's a clock in chess. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's a truly a chess match, like you're saying, you'd want a clock in there. Absolutely. Because uh, I, they were saying like, this is going to supposedly help with hitting. They also did the shift. You can't do the shift anymore. That's, Um, that's the other one. They were saying they want to increase runs. And to me, I see a lot of these pitchers, like they step off the mound. There's all this stuff that they're going through to like get ready to pitch. And similar to what like Westbrook, how he's like, he just needs to like break down his shot to something simple. I think with pitching, it's like, I would rather just get the ball and like throw again. Like, I don't want to sit here and think about it. <clears throat> give me my sign, give me my location and I'm going to throw the ball. You, uh, you do want to mess with the cadence of the batter though too, and switch your timing up a little bit so they don't get the exact same rhythm. Yeah, and that, and that does make an advantage for what Scherzer did because I guess the, one of the rules is once there's a time called, you only get one as a batter. And then when the batter steps back into the box, he so if you look at the video, he had one leg in. Once he puts that leg in, Scherzer can throw it right away. <laughs> and so he's like, I can't call time again. So he's like, and he puts his leg in and Scherzer, oh, Jesus, I'm getting crazy. Scherzer just throws it. That's the one thing I think excited. they should change is when the batter steps back in, the umpire like always should have his hand up. And as soon as he gets that second foot down, then go. But that, yeah. from what I saw, it was literally like he stuck his foot down and the pitch was coming. So. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's exciting. There's a there's a lot of good rules. I really like the shift change too because of scoring. We'll put it, they put 
more, the rules in to make it more exciting. And it's, it seems like that's what's going to happen. Um, the rule, it'll be interesting to see the over unders at the beginning of the season because you would think that the overs are going to go up, but with the pitch count, maybe that's advantage pitcher. So maybe it'll even out. I'm, I'm wondering what the difference of the over unders was going to be in the last few years. Over unders have gone down. They've like gone from an average of around eight down to like seven or seven and a half. So I wonder how these new rules are going to affect it. Yeah, well, they're supposed to, from what I was reading, they're supposed to be more singles. And the more hits you have, the more runs, obviously, you're going to have. So they obviously want more scoring. They're concerned with the scoring going down. And then the more scoring, the more entertaining it is going to be for the fans or whatever. So yeah, um, I for the uh, pitch count, that's going to be more exciting. Or I mean the timing of the pitches. Uh, I personally, I mean, I played baseball for a few years when I was younger. Um, I, I don't like the them not being able to shift the defense. For me, like I feel like the batters should learn how to hit the opposite way. Like That's kind of the part of the skill of baseball. And so if you're taking that away from them, it's, I don't know, for me, it, for respecting the game and being taught to be able to hit it wherever you want, I, I, I don't like that part personally. And from a data analytics perspective, you're like very data driven. Yeah. And that, the reason why they started doing that was because of sabermetrics. Exactly. And so it kind of like, it says, fuck you to sabermetrics in a way. Yeah. Like all of the, all of that data analysis is like just thrown out the window. And it's like right when they release the ball, then the fielders can take off to their, where they want to go, I believe. I think you just have to have two infielders on each side of the bag. And then once the ball's thrown, they can kind of move. Is that what it is? That's oh, what wow. it sounds so like. So it's be two infielders must be positioned on either side of second base when the pitch is released. So you can move after that. All four infielders must be on the dirt. Um, and then uh, then that's just like talking about the increase in batting average. But I did see, and I believe it was Joey Votto was batting. They took the left fielder. And stuck him where they would normally, you know, do the shift and stick that guy deep in the hole and between first and second and stuck the left fielder over there. So, and then left field might, was just open. That left field is wide, wide open. open. Everybody in the comments is like, there's going to be a lot of triples to left field this year. <laughs> wow. This is so interesting. It's going to be fun to see how this plays out. There's one last rule the bigger bases, increased it by three inches. Yeah, to, just, that's just to avoid injuries. I think that's a good, uh, good one. And it sounds like the they tested this out in the minor leagues, and the steals have gone up. The successful steals, it's gone up by like almost ten percent. Wow, you wouldn't the, think it would go up that much. Well, the bases are closer than they were before because they're bigger, and then the batters or the people on base can now tell that they've already thrown over to me twice because I believe the pitcher is allowed to throw to first twice or he can try to do a pickoff move twice but once he's so that's one of the rules too yeah so once he's done with that second pickoff then the batter knows he can't pick him off again that's kind of crazy to me yeah right here the stats 26 percent increase in stolen base attempts 26 yeah attempts attempts okay but it's like, okay, he's already thrown over here twice. Why don't I just lead off halfway? Like That's what I don't understand. Can't I just start running? <laughs> like, as soon as he gets the ball back, he has to throw it to home then. Or if you've already engaged that you're running to second, can he then throw to second because you're stealing? Maybe he can throw to second. 
It's just weird. I don't. That doesn't make any sense because you just take off right away. That's the rule that I saw, and I was like, I don't understand that because if he throws over there twice, then there must be a missing element to the rule. Yeah, maybe you're only allowed to go so far at a. Maybe there's going to be a line. That's what I was thinking. You can't cross the line. (laughs) I just know when I used to try to steal, you try to get in the the pitcher's head, so you. I don't know, lead off as much as you can to get his attention. If you get him throwing once, throwing twice, and then it's like, all right, he can't throw over here again. I, something's We're missing something, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's exciting. I, I, can't, I, can't, I like more scoring. That's why I like hockey where they did rule changes and hockey has higher scoring now. I know you didn't like the higher scoring in, in the NBA, but I like it. And baseball is doing the same thing. And it's going to be fun. I mean, the NBA, they already were scoring 100 points a game. Like, it's there's a lot, like, of, there's there's a lot, a lot of action there already. You didn't need to increase it by 30%. Like, yeah. You could have tweaked it a little bit. I think that we're talking about baseball, but NBA, yeah, I would go back to those rules I was talking about. And then I think Adrian, uh, one of our listeners, said uh, move back the three-point line. I don't think I mentioned that. So Is that going to be no, something? No, but that would be a good one to do. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they already shoot back there anyways. Yeah. So, just a little – wanted to give a shout out to Adrian. He's I think a- that with the PGA rule, one thing that makes it so it's not – I mean, we're just shitting on the PGA rules. But another thing that makes it so it's not as exciting is if you have less people, the less – like when they have the tour championship, there's only 30 players in the field. It's actually less exciting because by the time Sunday rolls around – the field is like spread out and you don't have them filled out with spots with extra players. And so it's anticlimactic. A lot of times like a player will win by five strokes because there's only 30 players in the field. So if they drop it down to 70, there's going to be a lot of less dramatic play at the end of tournaments. I mean, they're just, uh, I mean, thumbs down on the PGA for, for doing all that. Thumbs up for live. They're killing it. Yeah. Wow. Go fireballs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, we've talked a lot about this. Um, I forgot to talk about You Bet Smart at the beginning of the... <laughs> you You would think that... Um, I forgot to talk about the purpose of this podcast. Um, but I'm not going to get into that now. No, just kidding. I am. Um, Chris, do you... I, I, the only thing about You Bet Smart is I feel like we're not... Um, expressing ourselves enough, not like explaining what you bet smart is. So, Jake, what is you bet smart? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. With you bet smart, I mean, obviously, you make a lot of money. I would like to go over how much money we have made in the last with our hypothetical bank rolls in the last couple months. Where are you at, Jake? I'm up. $9,244 in 53 days, and that's after a, a significant significant pullback, but uh, still 92% in less than two months. Try to find that in a different market. I know. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. The um, and, that, and just to like reiterate, I know we've said it a bunch of times, but we both started with a $10,000 bankroll. Um, you do primarily player props, and I do team bets. And we both started with $10,000 and we're going to try to bring those $10,000 bankrolls, which is a combined $20,000 to a million dollars. And we're going to do it in less than five years. Sounds impossible, but we've already done one double up and we need to do five more. So. That Yeah, that doesn't sound impossible. I think we could do it. 
Yeah, I believe it. Um, so you're up to your ten thousand dollar bankroll is up to just under twenty thousand. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Nine thousand two hundred forty-four. Nice. And you you said you had a bad day. Is that what? I've had a couple bad days recently, and they weren't. I mean, I had a two and five yesterday, uh, three and five if you count the soccer win that I had. But that one was at four thirty this morning. I placed it yesterday. I'm not going to count that as a win because it's more today. So I'm going to count two and five yesterday. I'm going to count my wins today. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that game? What was that bet? Uh, the soccer pick was, let me double check. Was it EPL? It was, no. E- yeah, it was. It was um, Erling Holland. I know I'm butchering his name from Manchester City under 3.5. And that one won. I think nice. he had two. He had two. And that's shots on goal. Just shots. Shots. Sorry. Yes, yeah. Yes, shots. Sir. Yeah. He's been struggling lately. I, I just, I'm interested to see what type of player prop bets you do for soccer. Yeah. I need to put more out there. Uh, I'll, I'll mess around more with the shots to start because shots have done good in the past. Shots on goal, the same. There's also tackles and passes. And I know we'll add that eventually, but it's so time consuming with running through every single player, every single team, every single sport. So I'm trying to stick with what works right now. But eventually, we will have every one of the stats that I, I recommended. All right. What what else has happened? I know we just had the UFC podcast that we recorded three days ago. So, there's not a whole lot to report on your week. But anything crazy to report for your week or positive? Um, let's see. I mean, we had it a few days ago. Should I look back at the results over the last few days? Yeah, you can. While you're looking it up, I can kind of go over mine. Okay. With the teams, um, I had a terrible day yesterday. I went one and seven. And if you've been following along, I started with a $10,000 bankroll. I brought that up to $27,000 from 10000 And then I plummeted down to about 20000 And um I brought it back up to 24,000 and I just lost like uh, almost 3,000 just in one day yesterday. But before I bring it back to you, Jake, I won all 3,000 back this morning on soccer. That's why I'm excited. Nice, brother. Okay, what were you going to say? What, what day was the last day we did the podcast? Wednesday. We did it Wednesday. We brought it out Thursday. So it would be Thursday, Friday, and I'll, you can include this morning. The date, I haven't put in this morning's stats yet. Okay. So from the first, I guess. Okay. Yeah, first. Um, 3-1 until 3-3. I'm down 1,558. So Say that one more time. 1,558. Down 1,500. I'm, I was down like three grand, but like I said, I'm, that's why I'm counting this morning. Okay. Um, I think I went eight and two this morning and... I'm like broke. I broke even in the last three days. So you're at let's just say ten thousand, just under ten thousand, nine up ten thousand, ninety two hundred. Let's say ninety two hundred. Okay, so nine thousand. Yeah, and I'm at I'm up thirteen thousand. So our twenty thousand dollar bankroll is around forty two thousand. So if you would have signed up at youbetsmart.com, you would have doubled your money if you did every single bet. Exactly. I don't know if everybody can do every single bet though, but. You probably could. I, I don't know. Chris, you got a question? Yeah, I have two questions. Okay. We can get to that point. One of them has to do with what you're just talking yeah, about. Yeah, so yeah. you want to wait for that or you want to get into let's that right now? Let's do it right now. Okay. So. Because I think a lot of people are 
I think if you're, th- you probably have a lot of questions about you bet smart. I mean, we, we kind of gloss over things, but we talk about it because we know about it. Mm-hmm. It's good to get an outside perspective from you, Chris, because like you're on the outside. So you're probably wondering like, what the hell are you guys talking about this, about that? Yeah. What- so uh, the first question I have is uh, you guys have put out a pretty large volume of bets, like the total number of bets you do per day. Um and you use different sites also for those bets because you get different odds on each site. Um, if I only wanted to bet a couple a day using your system, what should I be looking out for? Um, if it was me personally, I would. I'm assuming you're the just starting up, and you're probably only on one site. Then primarily, I would look for the higher stars, the three and the four or five stars. We don't. We're not really doing five stars at the moment, but. If it was me, I would look for three and four stars. And then if there aren't any available, you still want action, look at our list and do your own research on it. Find games that you have some kind of uh, information on, experience with, and maybe hone in on those. Because I I mean, we're going to give you a list, but I would always recommend doing your own research on top of it. I would never say just do all our picks blindly. Like our picks win over the long run, but as an informed uh, better, I would think you got to add other layers onto it. You got to do your own research. Don't just take anybody else's advice flatly. Yeah. So maybe don't go against your bets, but if you don't like a bet, just don't bet it. That's perfect. That's a good point. Um, I once was, this is a long time ago. I was once hired by this guy who had a lot of money and he knew about my system and he, he says, Hey, Hey, here's, um, it was $20,000. He goes, here's 20,000. He didn't give me the 20,000, but he's like, I set up this account for you. I want you to make 500 to $1,000 bets and bet these. Here, I, the bankroll is 20,000. Go. And I started doing the system. They didn't have player prop bets on there. So it was tough because this was a this is like 10, over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have team bets like honed in. So it was a struggle. And so I went down a little bit at the beginning and I kept on telling him, you just have to trust the system. He's like, what the fuck, Scott? And I'm like, you just got to trust the system. You got to stick with it. It's been a week, dude. We got to, <laughs> we got to, we got to, this is a long term process. After a month of moderately down, and we've been down in a month, he started bringing in his own plays. Like he started, he's like, hey, this guy told me this. And I go, that's completely the opposite of what I just did. If we do that, we automatically lose the vig. We, we lose the juice. So we can't go. We, and if you're bringing in, there's a system at play. And if you're bringing in other bets, it's going to go against the system. So it kind of like what you just said, it, it gave me a flashback of like, you gotta, if you're going to pick a system, pick a system. Don't do multiple systems and have like this system going against this system. Um, I don't know. That just, uh, I had it with Jake. That just reminds me, I have multiple friends that I'm trying to give picks to and they just build their own system on top of our system, which is just adding more variability than what we can anticipate. Like basically trying to parlay multiple bets, teams, props. And it's like, we're, we're not telling you to bet the the parlays we're telling you bet these individually and then they make their own system on top of it and i see their more often than not their bankrolls getting smashed and it's like we're i don't know just follow our system make some money and then once you have 
a decent amount of money, maybe start having some plays, but they should test out their plays before they start putting real money on it. Yeah. You guys never recommend parlays, right? We do, do sometimes. You? Oh, you do? Okay. So it, there, there are times for them, but we don't like to talk about maybe it because it's so few and far between. Maybe it's in a not. future podcast, we can get into like what would make you guys want to do a parlay. Yeah, we could. Yeah. The reason why we don't like to talk about it is because we don't, like you shouldn't do it. Yeah. You shouldn't do parlays. There are times when it can be beneficial. To, there, to there, as a as a someone who doesn't like bet like a my I have a sporadic sporadic betting uh, parlays are fun, yeah. But in the long run, I know I don't make the money that I do if I just bet them individually. The thing about parlays is there is one. I'm just gonna say this once, but do not do this unless you ha- are supervised. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, if you want to have it really really fun. One parlay that you can betting system that you could do is through underdogs. So like, let's say like with baseball coming up, there's a lot of underdogs where it's like plus 200, plus 180, plus 240. And one way that an, a parlay can go into the black to where it can go to where the odds aren't against you, but they're actually in your favor is through exponential growth. And so, this is how parlays are bad for you. First, I got to get into why parlays are bad for you. Parlays are bad for you because of exponential growth. If you have three bets that are at minus 110, that juice of the minus 10 off the minus 110, once it gets to three, it starts to exponentially go against you. So, when you get to four, five, six, you're done. You're completely done. But if you think about it, that's because it's a favorite because you slightly have to, you have to pay that juice off. They take the juice out. Like if you're not doing a spread bet, that's minus 110, minus 110. If you're doing a baseball game that is the favorite is minus 180 and the underdog is plus 160, they take the juice out of the favorite. So the underdog is the true percentage. So if you take the underdog, you're not you're actually not spending any juice on that. And you, since you're taking the underdog, you don't have the favorite of the exponential. It's actually the opposite. You get exponential growth because you have three underdogs. So here's the, here's the problem with that. There's a couple of problems. One is your bankroll. So to do this thing, like let's say you do a plus 200, a plus 200, and a plus 200. If you do the math on that, you probably have a 5% chance of winning. But let's say you're getting 6% value off of it. So it's actually you should do it because you're getting value off of it. But you're still only going to win like one out of 20. So you have to have a giant bankroll <laughs> to do these bets. You know, like if you're betting $100 to win $3,000, it will come out to like plus 200, plus 200, plus 200 will come out to like you'll win $3,000 off a $100 bet. That's only going to come through like four, five, six percent of the time, somewhere around there. So you have to lose like you're going to lose like 18, 19 times and then you lose the one and slowly your bankroll. But like you have to have a giant bankroll. You can't bet one to five percent. You have to bet way lower than that. So it's you can sprinkle those in. And there's a reason why if you look at sports books, if you put three underdogs together, if you put a fourth, some Sports books will say you're not allowed to do that bet. 
It's because we, the exponential growth, they don't want you to have that exponential growth. Mm -hmm. So that is one time where you could do a parlay, but you have to do three underdogs. You have to understand that you're going to lose it a lot and only win every once in a while. And you have to, those three underdogs have to be good value plays. If all three are good value plays and you're getting the exponential growth, then in the long run, you will make money. But it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a, that's a, if you're, that's a very long game. That's even more long game than like a regular one. Okay. I get excited about it. That was a great question. Yeah, I get excited I, about I would that. like to bring up something too on Parlay is just to keep it simple. Um, let's say you have two teams and they're both a 50% chance of a win. So what is the probability of two 50% chance? Uh, the probability of two 50% uh, winning teams what are the probability of both of them winning? So it'd be 0.5 times 0.5, which is 0.25. 0.25 is uh, one in four. So if you're not getting better than one in four on your money, then you shouldn't make the, the move anyway. So a lot of people don't calculate basically what their chances are of winning and what the pot odds are. Like I look at it as like a poker, poker play too. I would do the same thing in poker, but you basically you have to make a profitable decision with the odds you have and the probability of you winning. So I, a lot of people don't take that into consideration, and I feel like parlays are known for being sucker bets. Casinos love to take parlay money because people they can't calculate the variables involved in one team, let alone ten teams or whatever they're doing. That's a good point. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's all about value. Yeah. If you can do the math, there is a mathematical equation of putting three bets together finding the value of that and comparing that to the odds that you're exactly. getting. And it's just the more teams, the more bets that you package together, the bigger the mathematical equation gets. Yeah. But if you do the math, then, and you find the value, then it's okay to do it. And I haven't but, met anyone that's like, I'm doing parlays and here's the reason why, here's the math. And it like, they don't show me a profitable uh, explanation why they're doing it. It's more like, well, I get paid out bigger. And it's like, oh, well, they, the casino knows that. And they also know that they're taking a big rake and you're not, they're not normally paying you the true odds on that parlay. Most people don't. There's one guy that I found that does it and he explains the entire process. And it's really interesting too, because he combines the NBA underdogs with tennis. So he does tennis and NBA parlays wow. and he explains the whole process, shows the expected value, does the whole thing. And then he maps out all of his progress. So he says like, we lost these eight, won the ninth one. And it's really interesting. It's a, it's a follow on Twitter. I think it's, uh, I think it's called TTW okay. is the, what his uh, Twitter handle is. It's a, it's a fun follow because it's exciting, but he also Tells you like this is the process. There's a process to it. Kind of like what you're saying, Jake. Yeah. So that's like a short answer for you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, do you guys want another question? Once we start talking about you yeah. smart, we yeah. don't shut up. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I got nowhere to be. Um, you guys want another question? Yeah, let's get one. Okay. I'll do one more. This one will probably be a little bit shorter. Um, okay. So let's say that you guys are recommending like Devin Booker under 24 and a half points, but... I can't get it on the site I'm on or by the time I get to that bet, the, it has moved down to 23 and a half. What would you say to do in that situation? Uh, so 24 and a half to 23 and a half? 
Yeah, like let's say it, it's yeah. under and it goes down one point. That's a that's a significant move. Uh, I honestly would stay away from a one point move. Would well, you buy buy it down? I mean, you can go from three star to two star. At, so, like, if it's a half point, I would I would lower the stars. If it's a full point, that's pretty significant. These yeah, players' a, averages in the long run aren't much off from the line, so. I, a full point is a significant move. Well, because if me. it's a half point, then if you're going from 23 and a half to 23, then you're just risking breaking even, right? Or I think like, you guys are focusing yeah, or, on the wrong thing. Okay. I, I, you said you this is going to be a short answer. <laughs> I'm going to make it a long answer. <laughs> okay. The You Bet Smart community is, is, um, is a small community. Our whole process, or not our process, but our thought about You Bet Smart is to keep it small. Because mm-hmm. if it gets big, we will will affect the lines mm-hmm. in sports books, and we don't want to do that. We want to keep our community small so the lines don't get affected. And in this case, the lines might be affected because a community is too high. But that's not that's not my point. My point is, since our community is small, our customer service is really great. We've talked, we've had people vouch for us. Um, Jeffrey from Las Vegas, he said like their customer service is spectacular because we reach out to people. Yeah. We're like there, we're ready. When we put our bets out, you can contact us. Exactly. So in that situation, you contact us, you DM us, you direct message us, you email us, you text us. We give our, if you're a, if you're a paying member, we give our cell phone numbers out. So you just text us and say like, Hey, you said 24 and a half. I have 23 and a half. Yes, a lot of times a one point move is a big move and it won't, it won't work. But I actually do this all the time to Jake because, <laughs> cause Jake puts out the player props and I'll look at it and I'll see a one point move and I'll text Jake and I'll go, would you do it at 16 and a half? I, I do that all the time yeah. to you. And so if you're one of our customers, just text us and say, I got it at six. I got it at 23 and a half. Is it good? And Jake will tell you because not even if it's a one point, sometimes yeah. you say, I would stay away from it. Yeah. And then sometimes you're like, I still like it. Yeah. It honestly depends too. Cause depends. a one point difference, let's say the guy is averaging nine and a half and you have it at eight and a half. That's a huge difference. But if he's averaging 30 and it's 20 or 29. That's not as big of a difference. So that's a, actually, now that I just thought about that, like if you're doing over-under in like a college football game and the over-under is like 62 and a half and it moves a point, that's a lot different than... Huge. Like, yeah, obviously eight and a half to seven. Yeah, you could for, see quarterbacks 330 yards. Oh, he's got it at 329. Like, that's no brainer. Hmm. But if it's something like nine and a half points to eight and a half, I would not touch it. So please feel free to reach out anytime and ask... Scott or I, and we will be happy to reach out or we'll, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. That's the thing I love most about it is, is talking yeah. to everybody and like having a discussion. Exactly. But, it, but if you can't reach us, a good rule of thumb is like the bigger the number, then you can do it more often. Yeah. Because like if it's 300 passing yards and it goes to 295, yeah. there's a chance that that's, doesn't, that's not significant. Exactly. Yeah. But if it's like an NBA game and it goes, if it's a close game, if it's like minus one to minus two, that's more significant than like over under 240 to 239. I think that's an, a great question. That's probably one of the most uh, 
relatable questions you could ask because I've had that question asked me multiple times. When we we give out our recommendations, we sh- we take time to shop around for the best line, the best odds. But if you're only on one site, you're not going to get the same lines. And we, we get that questions a, a lot. And if the line is way off, I would uh, just reduce risk, stay away, wait for the, the next play. Or if anything, if you still want action and it's not, not that far off, just lower it a star um, or reach out to us, like Scott said. That's the best advice right there. Yeah, that's great. I like this segment. <laughs> Yeah, good this questions. Is, I'll, I'll keep the questions coming. Then. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think this is good. Should we? I think we gotta skip break down the bet. Okay, this, let's do this it. week. Better, better. We'll do we'll do the music twice in a row. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then again. Um, yeah, I think we need to skip better, better too. Let's go you to recommendation. Do better, better? Uh, did we talk about that before I mean, to just, have multiple accounts? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, it is good to have multiple. I, I think it's so important to have multiple accounts. Um, so uh, just to give like a little background, we have like different segments that we go over and one of them is better, better. I don't know if we've actually like talked about it, but how to be a better, better. And you've gone through like your rules that you do. And I know one of the rules that you like, Jake, is uh, that you should have multiple accounts. You shouldn't just be betting on one account. And this does kind of like back up your question a little bit is if you're getting 23 and a half off Devin Booker, but we said 24 and a half, if you have 10 accounts, I know that's crazy, but if you have multiple accounts, you should be able to find 24 and a half. I agree. It's almost, I feel like if you're not shopping around for the best line, it's almost like going to the gas station that's overpriced and you can see the better cheaper gas across the street, but you're not willing to drive over there. The same thing goes with uh, betting on different sports books. You could save value if you shop around. Yeah. And driving over there is basically just, I mean, once you mix, if you put in a thousand dollars at Bavada and you put it up to 2000, take out a thousand, put it on bet online. Now you got two accounts exactly, and then just keep repeating that process until you have $10,000 spread across a thousand or 10 sites. Another good thing about that is that you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. So just in case, just in case one of these sites goes down or they cap like you your didn't bets. lose all your money or they seize your money. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, it sucks that we have to talk about that now, but, mm-hmm. um, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen a lot less like with FanDuel and DraftKings. I don't think it's going to happen with that because it's legal in the I States agree. now, but. It could, it could happen with some of these, like, I mean, we use, since we're in California, we use like Argentina sites. Those in Canada, the, eh? Canada. Yeah. I, I mean, those Canada Canadians, they take your money. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's good. Multiple accounts. That's, um, that's, I, I honestly think that multiple accounts is one of the biggest ones. I think it might be like number two. It is. Because if, I think we did the math one time. And we showed that if you got the best line, if you had 10 accounts and we and you get the best line, it made the difference of making money and losing money. It's that significant. Yeah. I mean, if you only have one account, one account I would bet that you're probably going to lose money over the course of the year. But if you have five to 10 accounts, I would bet that there's a good chance that you would make money yeah, over the course of the year. Exactly. It's that much of a difference. 
All right, you guys want to get into recommendations? Let's do it. All right, uh, Jake, what do you? What's your recommendation this week? Uh, this week it is "Winning the Unforgiven Race for Greatness" by Tim Grover, and that book was inspiring to me because it talks about winning, and that's what we're all trying to do. But uh, this guy was a coach and trainer for Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Not sure if you've ever heard of them. Mm-mm. But uh, yeah, it was really inspiring because this guy's got unbelievable work ethic. He really breaks down the game and gave them an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable advice on how to like take their game to the next level. So that one was something that I would recommend for everybody else to look into. What was the advice? Like, is there something that you could sum up? It's just kind of like the mindset. They're, those two guys are different, but he also worked with Dwayne Wade and stuff too. It's just basically accepting nothing else but greatness (laughs) so it was kind of like a psychological thing yeah in a way it's just i don't know it's been a while since i've listened to it but uh it's just in terms of uh how you want to bring your your game to the next level it's worth going across or breezing up over (laughs) the subtitle kind of um it suggests what I think of is Michael Jordan when you watch that documentary about the Chicago Bulls yeah, and how he came across, like his personality came across and the type of person he was. And because it, it, the subtitle is The Unforgiving Race of Greatness where you're like, it's unforgiving. Like if you want to be the best, if you want to be the Kobe Bryant, if you want to be Michael Jordan, you're going to sacrifice that you're going to be like the nice cool guy yeah. in the locker room. You're, you know what I mean? Yeah. One thing that was interesting is he had Michael Jordan doing uh, curls, getting big biceps. And big biceps pretty much has nothing to do with shooting a basketball. But he did it for psychological reasons because he looked badass and ripped and it kind of put more fear into the defenders. So that was kind of an interesting thing that he did. Yeah. Huh. Chris, what do you got? All right, I'm going to torture the audience with a little more philosophy here. This one's going to relate to Scott this time. So I'm going to take us back to the hundreds AD and writings by a man known as the philosopher emperor, Marcus Aurelius. So he kept a journal throughout his life, uh, just kind of like for his own personal growth. He probably never meant for it to become public, but after his death, it ended up be becoming public and becoming really famous. And, uh, it was titled Meditations. I don't think he titled that it that because obviously he was just writing it for himself. But uh, I pulled one of those that applies to you and uh, something that you spoke on last time. And it's uh, the object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the ranks of the insane. So it basically meaning like don't always go with the crowd because oftentimes the crowd is uh, driven by groupthink. But also don't go to the extreme opposite of the crowd because then, you know, you may end up like storming the Capitol. (laughs) Uh, But it made me think of you, how you were talking about that. You like to find out what the public is betting. And if they're betting too much on one side, you're like, oh, this is perfect. I want to bet the opposite of it. So, yeah, there you go. That's great. And I love uh, I think his name is Ryan Holiday. Do you know? Yeah, he's a stoic, uh, writes on stoicism. Ryan yeah, Holiday, he's, yeah, he's kind of like almost like the expert of this, yeah, this exactly. category. Yeah, I think 
he might have been the one that I heard about this from, but I could have heard it when I was in, I don't know, it's been around since 100s. Yeah. So I don't know <laughs> where exactly I first heard about meditations, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. I recommend everyone should uh, check it out and read it. All right. I'll read it. I haven't read it. Have you read it, Jake? No, sir. I've never read it. I've, I've wanted not, to read it. Yeah. It's not like a book. It's just like, you know, quotes. Like It's like a journal. Of, yeah. Right? A journal just of what, like... A, sayings and stuff that he thought applied and it's crazy because a lot of it applies today to stuff that's going on you said it's like I, timeless it's uh, marcus aurelius yeah meditations i would imagine that it's probably really good for a sports better too because <laughs> honestly because like yeah. the psychology like just that one alone yeah that is that's a good way to like look at sports betting. Yeah. And I think with money management, I bet you there's like stuff off money management in there. Not particularly on money, but on like managing your life, like spreading things out, diverse, diversifying. Man, I don't know. Managing expectations. Expectations, yeah. yeah. Dealing with loss. Yeah. Because there's a lot of loss. I think in sports betting, a lot of times people are like looking for like that one big bet, like with parlays, like, oh, you know, this one's a hundred dollar bets paying like four grand. Like, but if you just made a bunch of smaller bets or broke all those bets out, you would probably, you know, end up making the same amount of money. I'm uh, really embarrassed about my recommendation because <laughs> your guys's were so like grand. I got a TikTok recommendation. Um, hoopology underscore TikTok. I just like it because it makes me laugh. This guy, it's like a young guy and he uh, takes highlights of players, highlights and lowlights of players. And uh, he makes fun of them. But then also at the same time of making fun of them, he shows how like what was kind of like a positive thing about their career. And he does that with different players. And I don't know, it makes me laugh. So I got a silly one for you. Was that the low light video you sent to us? Yes. Oh, that, that was, was fucking hilarious. That was the guy that made that. Okay. Yeah. He's got other ones too. All right. But yeah, the one on Lance Stevenson. That was awesome. Oh where, yeah. Where that he's like, he, he goes, he starts it off by saying, if Lance, if, if NBA players were ranked off of how entertaining they are during the game, Lance Stevenson would be in the GOAT discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and like, then he shows like all the different like things that, I don't know. It's clever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's smart. It's crazy uh, how TikTok, I just got into TikTok recently and how clever people are. Like people are very creative yeah. on how they like present information. Whether or not it's true or not, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of bullshit information on there, but it's still very like clever and creative and thoughtful and hilarious. Yeah. So, I hoop hoopology. I, I scroll TikToks. So I don't be embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys, I, you guys had like these grand books, yeah. like these famous books, and I had a TikTok. Yeah, but I also scroll TikTok. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that was a lot of fun. I always have fun doing this, guys. Always I, a pleasure. I think some of the highlights were just like us talking about like conversational. Yeah. Like being conversational. I think the lowlights are when we're like an infomercial for you bets part. <laughs> Most likely. I'm but, sure people don't care about that so much, but yeah. But if you sign up, you make money. <laughs> What's wrong with that? So sign up to you bet smart. All right, guys. That was a lot of fun. We'll talk later. Let's do it. All right. All right.